Amen. We are doing a lot of things that you can't really see in the background right yet, but we're just so those of you know that's going on, what's happening here, we are working on our background stuff. We're getting all of our internet things more uh, up to date and, and re ready. We're getting our finances uh, changed over, all of our programs changed over. We're working on getting a, a financial committee together. We should have that by the first of the year to be able to report everything that's going on there. We're working on getting our staff leadership together. We're establishing that. So we're getting a lot of things done in the background. It, it's administrative stuff, but when we get that ready, the church will go. Amen? So just bear with us as we're working on all this stuff, and I know the Lord's going to do great things. This Wednesday night, I promise you, you don't want to miss this one. It's a good message. You're going to learn a lot this Wednesday night. How many of you love the Lord with all of your heart? Amen, amen. Amen. Even Jordan looks saved today. God is good. This is, uh, <laughs> this is Jesus' first message in his hometown. This is the first message he's going to preach in his hometown. I want to talk to you today about be the exception. Be the exception. Luke 24, verse 24, as we're going to do a little teaching today, more of a teaching today. It says, Then he said, Assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, Many, everybody say many, many. were in Israel in the uh, widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years, six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many, everybody say many, many. lepers in Israel. In the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Amen. That's his very first sermon. It teaches you a lesson. You haven't preached until you got the people mad. <laughs> Amen. That's when you know you preached a good sermon, when everybody's mad. <laughs> Take you out of the city and throw you off the hill. Woo! Oh, Lord Jesus, that's your first message, man. That's, that's a hard one right there. <laughs> Amen. Jesus is really speaking about how God moves, and, and he's explaining to them that God does not move by need. A lot of us think that if we have a need, that God's going to show up and supply need. God has never been a God that supplies, uh, that works like that. It's not need that draws God. It's, it's faith that draws God. It's faith. It's different. So, so the Bible says there were many lepers. There were a lot of sick people at this time. And there was a, a, a lot of people that were, were hungry they were going without food. There was a great famine in all the land. And in all of those people, out of all those many, many types of people, there was only two cases that became the exception. Only two people drew God's attention during that time. Really drew his attention. I mean, God saw them all, but God really drew to two people. One widow at Zarephath and one general named Naaman. So a lesson here is if, if, if you're not careful... You'll lump yourself in with everybody else, and you won't be the exception. Amen. You want to be the exception. And I'm excited today because I'm looking at a lot of exceptions in the house. Amen. 
Now, the prophet once told the king this in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. He said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal. Everybody say loyal to him. So what's God looking for? There's all kinds of people. He's looking up and down the earth everywhere he's going. His eyes are going everywhere, and he's looking for the exception. He's looking for those few that are loyal to him, exceptional people that have an exceptional faith that are moving with him. So I want to focus today, if, you, if I can, on keys to becoming the exception, on key, how you become the exception. And, and the story that I really want to focus on, because it, it'll get too broad if I try to deal with the widow of Zarephath and Naaman, so I'm just going to deal with Naaman today. And I want to give you the historical account as Jesus is, is preaching this sermon that got these people so mad. But before I get into that, I just want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I am exceptional. <laughs> Some of you had a hard time doing that, but you are exceptional. <laughs> Second Kings 5.1 is what Jesus is speaking about. It's the story he's coming from. It says, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria. So he's not a Jew. He's a, he's a Syrian was great, and he was an honorable man in the eyes of his master, the king of Syria, because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. So again, I want to say to you, Naaman is not a Jew. He's a Syrian, but he's a powerful commander. His king loves him because he's bring, brought many victories to him, and so, so it's interesting to me, and it's what God heard up the Jews, I believe, that day, is Jesus said to them that that God had to go outside of the Jews, outside of the church, outside of the people of God to find somebody exceptional. That's pretty sad. Amen. He couldn't find anybody exceptional among his own people, so he went outside of his people and he found somebody exceptional. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this. Naaman, first of all, the Bible says, was a man of honor. Now, being a man of honor, it wasn't a man of honor in his own eyes, but it was a man of honor in the eyes of others. When you're faithful, when you're loyal, and you're hardworking, you become honorable in the eyes of other people. When assigned a task, he, he fulfilled that task. He watched over that task. He made sure he performed that task, and it caused him to have an, his king to have an honorable view of him. The honor, the word here, is the same word as glory or, or, or kabod. It, it means weightiness. So the glory of God is the weight of God or the, the substance of God. So a person's honor is seen with what kind of weight can they carry and still remain positive, loyal, committed, and faithful. This is what this scripture is all about. What kind of character does a person have when they're under pressure? Not, kind of, well, not what kind of character do you have when everything's going right. But how do you survive? How do you do when things aren't going so great? And, and that's what this story's about. I, I want to say to you that God is looking for people that he can find that are honorable. Amen. That when you're under pressure, you keep your word. That when you're under pressure, you keep your vows. 
that when you're under pressure, that, that it doesn't change the way you handle your finances. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're a person that believes in, in giving, you give whether you have it or you don't have it. Is that right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter. If you have $1,000, you, you give $100. You got $100, you give $10. You got $10, you give... You see what I'm saying? You, you, you're, you're, you're still there. You put God first in your finances. You put God first in your, in your prayer life. You put God first in all of your consecrations. Amen. So if, if you want to get heaven on your side, you have to be a person of honor and a person of character. No matter what anybody else thinks about you, what really matters is that you draw God's favor and God's attention. That's what really matters in the end of life, is that you've done that. And so, so the Bible says that this man was that kind of a guy. He was an honorable man, and it also says he was a mighty man of valor. In other words, he was a, a, he was a champion. He, he was one of those kind of guys you didn't mess with on the battlefield. He was a fearless warrior and a courageous leader. And because of that, his king looked at him and said, that man can stand up under pressure. That man can stand up. He'll stick to his word. He's an honorable man. He's a good man. He's a man of valor. And that's the kind of man that God, Jesus, is speaking about to the people that day, that we need to be people of honor. Amen. The second thing... He says, is you got to be able to be a people, this is what I want you to understand, that conquer life's contradictions. People that conquer life's contradictions. I love that the Bible does not hide human weakness. It says this, he was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Everybody say, but a leper. Now, what a contradiction. Here you are on one side, this champion this man of great honor, this man of great power, but here you are with this contradiction in your life. The same time that you're a great general, you're a leper. It's like the opposites. And so all through Scripture, you're going to find that there are people that have great struggles. Their lives are filled with struggle. But that struggle is what turns them into being valiant and exceptions. Amen. They're not like everybody else. They resist or come against that contradiction. They're notable in that contradiction. And life will serve you things that are contrary to what you expected life to give you. Amen. Contrary to what you think is fair. It doesn't seem fair. He's giving his all. He's an honorable man. He's a man of valor. But at the same time, it seems almost unfair that he's struck with leprosy. And so in his mind, he's got to be fighting with that, okay? So, so somewhere in our lives, we must be able to download and process what's happening in our life without separating ourselves from God. See, sometimes when we have a contradiction with something that doesn't go our way, we separate from God. We have to be able to do this without separating from God. We also must be able to do it without comparing ourselves to somebody else. Okay, you have to face your contradictions where all of a sudden you've got something really powerful happening in your life. At the same time, you've got something really ugly happening in your life. Jesus said it this way, take up your contradiction and follow me. That's what a cross is. He said, take up your cross. What's a cross? It's, it, a cross is something you have to carry that you wish you didn't have to. Nobody wants to carry a cross, right? Am I talking to this church or are you following? That's okay. Your cross could be a difficult child. A difficult marriage. Your cross could be a divorce. 
or financial bankruptcy or any kind of thing. You wish it wasn't part of your life, but it is. You wish it would go away, but it's there. It's not going anywhere. It's going to stay right there. You wish you could say that that never happened, but it did. And so how do you overcome these contradictions? As a Christian, our faith rises when we realize that that contradiction is what God's going to use to make us better. Okay? Better fathers, better mothers, better people. So we look at our contradiction. This doesn't seem like it should be fitting in my life right now. This doesn't seem like this would be a God thing in my life right now. But here it is. And it's not going anywhere. So how do I deal with this? How do I approach this? How do I process this contradiction? Everybody in this room wants to be a shiny diamond before God. But nobody wants to go through the intense pressure to get there. Amen. God takes you a little ugly black piece of coal and he makes you into something shiny and beautiful. Amen, somebody. Everybody wants to be a glorious pearl in God's necklace. Amen. But nobody wants the irritation in their shell. Is that right? It's a contradiction. The only thing that makes you so beautiful is the, is the sand in your shell. It's the pebble in your shoe. Amen? It's those things. So you can measure. Listen, you can measure a person's destiny by the weight of the contradiction that they're carrying. I can look at a person and say that person is carrying a lot of contradiction and they're remaining faithful, they're remaining honorable, they're remaining a people of valor, and, and they're, they're enduring it with a smile on their face and a good attitude. The greater the contradiction, contradiction the greater the outplay of God's manifest power is going to be in their life. I have not yet found any great men of God that haven't had a few contradictions in their lives. Some things that just didn't go the way they wanted them to go or the way anybody would have thought it would have gone, the way that would seem fair, but they, they, every one of them have processed that contradiction. Amen. I was 35 years old, and at the time, I had this false doctrine in my spirit, and I believed that Christians could not go through trials. That if you was having some kind of a problem like that, that you, were, you had an allowed a curse to land in your life, and somehow that you, as a Christian, you should not be enduring trials, you should be walking in faith. Now that was the American gospel back in those days, that if you had a headache, that it, you weren't saved. I, I mean, it really was there. So, so what happened to me is I had a trial. And when that trial came into my life, it shocked my theology because I, I couldn't figure out what I'd done wrong. How did I get this hepatitis? How did I get this liver cancer? How did I end up in this medical center? And, 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 and I said to the trial, I spoke to my trial. I said, trial, I don't believe in you. And the trial said, I really don't care what you believe. I'm moving in. And for the next 12 years, the trial lived with me. Amen. 12 years going in and out of medical research centers and becoming a guinea pig for people. I went on a prolonged fast to try to get past it. I bound every demon in hell and then yours too. I, I, I bound everything. I learned that you can't stop something sometimes. Amen. Sometimes God will allow a contradiction to come into your life because that contradiction is going to work something out inside of you that will make you shine later on. Amen. 
I've discovered that there's things that happen to you that you didn't bring. The enemy did it. Amen. But God will use it to turn you around and make you shine later on. You're just going to have to process it. And it's not always easy. And people are looking at you and wondering what you did to cause that sin to come into your life. They're looking at you and wondering what, what, what's, what's happened in your life. And you, you have no answers for that. But you've got to allow God to teach you how to go through it. Amen. Things that just don't seem right. You're trying harder than anybody else and you're not getting through it and everybody else is getting through it. Okay, but these are the places where God allows you to develop and become more than an orphan, but become a son in his kingdom. God will make you a person of weight that you can carry great weight if you'll allow him. The Bible says that this man was a man of valor. He was a champion among champions. His king loved him. Your king loves you. And yet, he was a leper. Amen. One of the ways church leadership fails people, and this, this includes me and everybody else, I believe we fail our people by always talking about the positive things and never sharing the bad things. Amen. We paint ourselves as always victorious, like our marriage never had a fight. Don't ever share anything. <laughs> you know, like, like, like we don't stink. You know, like we're perfect. Like, can I tell you something? I think that's a, that's a wrong to people. Amen. The truth is, uh, we go, all of us go through days that we want to quit. All of us want to quit. There's some days I'm up here preaching that I wish I wasn't up here preaching. Amen. I just wanted to stay home and backslide and watch the Seahawks lose to the Cardinals. Now my marriage is in trouble again. She's a Seahawk fan if you didn't know that. <laughs> you are too. I'm in trouble twice now. See, there, there's some days, I'm telling you, that you're just so depressed you feel like you're going to snap. What about sharing some of those days sometimes? What about telling people, look, I, I've, I've got a contradiction in my world right now, but I'm trying to come through that. I, I, I'm trying to relate. I'm not even able to relate to anything, but I've got to come through this. I, I, when you come down like that and you become real, it makes people know you're human just like the rest of us. We're not somewhere floating in space as this perfect person. You know, we're not. Can I tell you something for reals? And I'm not trying to be ugly or sarcastic. Joel Osteen doesn't always smile. <laughs> there are days that he's a human being just like the rest of us. Amen. He comes down off the high pedestal and, and he has to take a shower too because he smells. Are you hearing what I'm saying? His hair doesn't always look like that when he wakes up. <laughs> the Bible says it this way in Exodus 1.12. But the more the Egyptians afflicted the Jews, the more they multiplied and grew. Huh. Every time you ask God, more God, I want more of you. Look around, Pharaoh's on his way. I know that's a cool song, but you're inviting Pharaoh. Pharaoh's coming. Whenever the enemy amps up intensity against you, whenever his assault is amping up, he's actually increasing. Listen to me. The more pressure that comes on you, the more your destiny reach increases.
The more you have an increase, the more anointing that comes to your life, the more power that comes into your life. Are you listening to me today? So you've got to learn that there's life's contradictions. They're real. Here's what Joseph said. You guys meant it uh, 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 evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring out to this day that many people would be saved alive. So, so, so you have to believe that God is not done with your story when you're going through a season that seems unfair and unjust. Are you hearing me? Some of you are in seasons like that right now. Christmas time can be rough. New Year's can be rough. And it just doesn't seem fair. Jesus said it this way. The father is the husbandman. I am the vine. You are the branch. Everything the father takes away, you didn't need. Okay? Are you understand what I'm saying? Your future does not need what God takes away from you. Somehow we have to understand that. Listen to this. Hebrews 12.3. For consider... Or compare, understand, interpret, discern, perceive. Christ, who endured such hostility, that was a contradiction, from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Let me say it this way. Christ is hanging on a cross, being crucified in incredible pain by the very people his words created. He created these people, he loved these people, he gave his life, and here he is having to give his life for the same people that he created. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem just. A contradiction is a war in your mind against the unfairness of life. I don't deserve to be treated like this. I don't deserve this. I'm, why do I have to go through this? Why, why can't I get a breakthrough? Why do they always get the breakthrough? How come they're driving the cool Denali trucks and I'm driving the bus? Amen. You understand what I'm saying? There's, there's some, so the world is imperfect, but we made it that way by our transgressions. And it's a fallen and it's a corrupt state. And yet in this world, God Almighty will come down and work marvelous and magnificent things in our lives if we can learn how to not give up on God when contradictions are working in our world. There's just times when you don't understand why you're sick, why this person, uh, this happened to this person, why that happened to that person, why my kid did this, or why that happened, why the finance. There's just times you don't understand, and you're not going to understand, but you can't give up on God in those times. You've got to walk it out in valor and in faithfulness and commitment and knowing that God is going to cause that to somehow work something for his glory in the legacy of your family. You might not be able to see God is the beginning and the end. You're stuck right here in this little spot. God already sees the end of your life. So God does something here that your little peanut brain can't figure out. But God sees that down there your great grandkid needed what happened to you here to happen or he wouldn't have made it. So God's working and you have to trust God that he's working in your family and in your lives. Even though it doesn't make sense to you today, it'll make sense in eternity. Amen. You've got to understand that. Number three, if you want to be accepted, you've got to be an honorable person. You've got to deal with contradictions and you must hear God's voice. No matter what the vessel, everybody say no matter what the vessel, that God brings it through. So I'm going to go through some tough times. And God, God, I really need you to give me a word today. I need you. Now, God, I'll accept a word from him, him and her, and nobody else. Can I tell you that doesn't fly real good with God? 
You don't get to choose who you get to hear it from. God might send it to you packaged up in somebody you never expected to come in. Amen. Naaman's answer for his life was in his own house from the most unlikely source. They had raided Israel, stole a little Jewish girl, made her a slave, and she's working in his house. In his brain, she's the most, she is a nothing. She's despised. She's worse than, she's not even a dog in his world. She's not even an animal in his world. And yet there she is, seemingly the most unimportant person in the world, and she's carrying the word that God has for this man. Listen to what it says. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master, speaking of Naaman, were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. And so, so listen to me. You can tell how open you are to your next season by how desperate you are to hear from God through any vessel that God decides to use it through. Amen. I have been sitting in the bars. I sat in a bar. It was a famous bar, a great bar. It's called the Prairie Moon. Some of you know what that is. That's in Winslow, Arizona. Ugliest little bar ever in the world. I'm sitting in this bar, and I'm not going to say the guy's name because some of you know him. He comes walking up to me and just drunk as a skunk slobbering and says, your mama's praying for you. I said, shut up, man. Get away from me. <laughs> and then he starts, and the guy literally is prophesying to me. I don't know why God used a drunk, but God's used a lot of asses. <laughs> Read it in your Bible. That's just King James, just King James. I just used a little King James on you. Amen. Those people online, forgive me. Amen. God will use different vessels. God will use your enemies. God will use people that you don't think that God would use, people that you don't care about, people on your job that have done you dirty, people, employers that have done you dirty. God will use people that you never met before in your life walk up to you, children walk up to you. God will use all kinds of people. The question is, can you receive it from them? Can you receive a message of God from somebody that you don't expect it from? No, no, I'm only going to accept it if he prophesies it, not if she prophesies I can't trust her. Oh, really? So you're going to decide who God uses. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? There was a very popular evangelist. He was scheduled. And, but he had to cancel the meeting that same day that he was supposed to be there because of a death of his own child in his family. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm turning around and going home. My child has passed. And, and so all the people don't know about that. They all show up at church tonight. That place is packed out. And the preacher stands up in front of the congregation, and he tells them what has happened. And you can feel this moan. And all of a sudden, this pastor's just smarter in attack. He all of a sudden whips out a $50 bill, waves it in the air, and he says, By the way, does anybody in here need some gas money? He's got this, this old lady in the background says, Yes, sir, I need some gas money. And he says, I can't come down and bring it to you. Would it be all right if I sent somebody else with it? You missed the story, didn't you? You missed me. She agreed. It doesn't really matter who brings the $50 bill. I need the $50 bill. It didn't really matter if the preacher brought it or if anybody else brought it. Just give it to me. Same thing with the Word of God. It really doesn't matter who brings it, does it? 
What we need to do is stop trying to tell God our preferences and tell God how to do his business. Let God be God. Amen. Let God be God. God might actually use somebody in this room to talk to you. Whoa. Look out, man. Jared's getting loose. Listen to me. Are you guys with me today? God had two prominent people that he used in the New Testament to speak to people. Peter and Paul. Let me just take a moment on that. Paul is greatly educated. He's a Jewish scholar. He's an intellectual. And guess who God sent him to? The drunks, the pagans, and the Gentiles. Non-church folks that could care less about his theological degree. Could care less that he knows all that stuff. Now, Peter, on the other side, has no education. He's a middle school dropout, a fisherman, and had never received any kind of Jewish education. Guess who God sends him to? Right? The intellectual Jewish people, right? Every Sabbath day, those Jews had to listen to this unintellectual language of this broken down, assaulted, amen, you know what I'm talking about. This fisherman up there just, blah, 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 and they had to listen to him. The thing I'm trying to say to you is can you hear God when somebody that's not as smart as you are is telling you what God's saying? They had to do it every day with Peter. Amen. God has a way, listen to these words, of testing your determination. Say it again. Testing your determination. And what he does is he brings advers- uh, an, a- adversity against your destiny. It, it causes this pressure to come against your destiny to see what you'll do. There's always going to be a stumbling stone between you and your destiny. Most of the time, it's a person, but sometimes it can be something else. It can be a job. It can be a position. It can be something else. And, 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 and for, as for me, I want you all to know I can really be holy if it isn't for other people. It's those other people that cause me to slip. <laughs> Want to slap fat out of people's faces and stuff. Are you with me so far? Can I go a little bit more? Can I? Okay. Number four, recognize, respect, and submit to authority over your life. Now, this is really, really important in an anti-authority generation we live in. Somehow we feel that we have the right to pick and choose who is our authority. Somehow that's got into our American culture. So we pick and choose according to our personal agendas. I like this guy, I don't like that guy. Here's what the Bible says, 2 Kings 5, 5. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Okay, so he's speaking to Naaman. Naaman says, hey, this little Jewish girl has told me I could get healed if I could see the prophet Samaria. He goes to his authority, his king. He's not a Christian king. He's a Syrian king. He goes to his authority, to his headship, and he says, what do you think about it? He says, I'm not going to violate protocol here. I don't know this prophet over there in Samaria, so let me talk to his king. So the one king talks to the other king before the prophet and the leper ever meet. Are you following the story? It's a proper process of how it works. Now, most people don't trust headship, and, and, and I understand that. I, can I tell you, churches are some weird places, and people, amen, and people do a lot of weird stuff. But I want to challenge you on this, okay? Uh, you can never have authority if you're not under authority. 
It, it's a challenge, and, and it'll hinder you in your advance with God. And so people will say, but pastor, I believe we're all the same. Believe whatever you want, but the Bible teaches authority. Okay, God places men as the head of the home. God places a fivefold authority over the church. God places government in every sphere of life there is. And so when you get out of order with God, Romans 13, and you get out, people start to suffer. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. We must trust God that God can deal with the headship. I don't care if it's President Trump or, pre- or, or wannabe Biden. I'm not trying to be ugly. I, whoever ends up up there, we have to trust God that God can deal with them. We have to trust God. Rather than saying, well, I refuse to trust anybody, I'll do it my own way. That's when countries end up in a bad way. Amen. So, boy, I can feel it on this part. Man, pastor, that church has so many problems. Let me tell you about this church. A lot of people say we have a lot of problems. Can I tell you something? We had no problems two hours ago. Not one problem in here because none of you were here yet. (laughs) Amen. I lost the crowd right there. In Matthew 8, Jesus is approached by a centurion. How many of you remember that story? And Jesus responds that he'll go to the centurion's house. Let me just read it to you, Matthew 8. Lord, this is the centurion, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. So this centurion understood government. He understood authority, and he recognized that Christ operated in some kind of a kingdom authority. He wasn't sure of it because he wasn't from that that area, but he didn't understand kingdom government, but he knew there was something happening there. Listen, if you can understand God's government, you can almost connect into anything. Amen. When you don't understand government... You'll always find yourself trying to improve things that you have no power to improve. And it's not because you have a bad heart. It's because you don't know how to go through proper order. You can't just go in and talk to the private and skip all the other people and then try to get to the general. The general will have nothing to do with you. There's a protocol. Are you following me? There's a way, there's a rule, there's a way that you do things. And, and so, so this is what I'm trying to say to you. This man understood it. Naaman understood it. He said there's a process that if I follow this process properly, then God can, somehow, things will work out. He didn't understand it, but he knew that if authority blessed it, that somehow it could work in his life. Amen. Are you following today? So I'm trying to say to you, uh, uh, we have to be a people under authority. But pastor, what about, you know, if this guy wins to be the president? Can I tell you what to do if if somebody you don't like is president? Pray for him. Pray for them. I I mean, for reals, not pray, God, get him out. I'm not saying that kind of prayer. Pray for their family. Pray for their leadership. Pray for their cabinet. I pray for you every day. I pray for our ministry leaders here every day. I, I pray for my apostolic leaders that are over me every day. I, I, I'm not trying to tell God what to, that they have to do to make me be right. I just pray that God is able to transfer his mind into their lives that they somehow will be a blessing to my life. 
Pray. Everybody say pray. And so that's the next thing. you just got to understand that God has a way that he moves. And if you move with that way, it works. So, so are you following me? I've learned this a long time ago. If I want, if I want to go and talk to your wife, maybe your wife is you know, the witch of Ondor, and I need to deal with her. I don't go to her first. I go to the husband first. And I ask permission because there's a way you do business in a home. You don't violate those things. Okay, are you following what I'm saying? You, you, there's a process. And if you do it right, God will bless it. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're spending your time doing getting nowhere. Okay, next thing, be generous. Be generous. If you want to be a person that's exceptional, that God sees, there's an exception to the rule. This Naaman didn't just do whatever he wanted to do. He went and talked to his king, and I want you to see how generous he was. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. That's a king's ransom. And ten changes of clothing. Now this was more than likely every bit of Naaman's wealth and probably a portion that he had got from the Syrian king. This is more than a man would have. This is an amazing amount of money. It's a great sum of money. So my, I, my thought here, he, he doesn't know nothing. He doesn't understand this, this prophet he's going to go see in Samaria. He doesn't know who this guy is. But he's going to go and he's believing for a healing. And so he takes with him this great amount of wealth. He, he says, I'm not going to be stingy in this interaction. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for this thing. I'm, I'm going to give everything I got. I really need a healing. Now, we know the story that Elisha refuses to receive any of it. Right? Because if he does, it's going to look like this guy bought the kingdom of God. But what I want you to see is that it revealed his heart. That he had this attitude. I'm not trying to get out of God what I can get out of God for the cheapest price. Amen. I'm not trying to be cheap with God. I'm trying to be rich with God. I'm trying to to do something. It's amazing how a gift will open a door for you. It's amazing how gifts will open a door. It's not the extravagance of the gift. It's the thought of the gift. Did you know that you can't even go to see the Queen of England if you don't bring... Part of the protocol is you must bring a gift. Did you know that? You can't even speak to her without bearing a gift. What would you take to her? A t-shirt? Here, I got this t-shirt down at the local thrift store. It's a special one. (laughs) What does she need? Huh? See what I'm saying? But it's the thought. It's the the ability for you to be creative. Probably if you made something with your own hands, you did something of your own, it would be a generous spirit to her. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? There's something here. Listen to Luke 6, 38, Message Bible. Give, you'll find life given back, but not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Listen to Proverbs 11. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And so this man, when he came looking for his miracle, God recognized, here's an exception to the crowd. This guy's not coming to receive. This guy's coming to give. See, I can't really help people when they're telling me all about who they are. What I need them to do is tell me about what, uh, let me dis- help them discover who, who they are rather than them telling me who they are. Did, did you get lost on that? Once, once you know everything about yourself, what more can I tell you? Once you've got all the answers, what else is there to say? But if you come saying, what is this? Can you help me? It, there's a spirit of that that opens you up. And then there's this, amen. Amen. 
One more. You must be teachable and correctable. And Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But, oh, Naaman, this is where it got rough. See, this is where it got, got tough. He became furious, and he went away and said, Indeed. Now, who, who's he talking to? His own self. I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place, and heal the leprosy. See, he had this idea of how church was going to go. I'm going to come, and they're going to pray for me, and they're going to anoint me with oil, and everybody's going to fall out, and the Spirit of the Lord's going to move. But it wasn't like that. He said, hey, I'll meet you out in the back of the alley. <laughs> what? I want to come to the altar. Everybody say expectation. So many times reality is not what you're expecting. Are not the Abinai and the the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them? Why are you sending me to this little mud creek? Can't I go to Oak Creek Canyon? So he turned and he went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him, saying, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. How much more then when he says for you to go wash and be clean? So, so what they're saying to him is, is you've got to be teachable if you want this to happen. You, you can't just have it your way. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are the teachable is what that means. Blessed are the teachable. So if you're teachable, your destiny is reachable. Amen. Amen. You gotta be teachable, Naaman. Don't, don't, don't get all up in a huff. You, you gotta burn your saddle. Get it out before you mess up this thing. And, and you're stopping your own progress here. This prophet has a has the power of God to heal you, and you got upset about the way he wanted to do it. He didn't want to do it in front of the church. He wanted to do it in the parking lot. He didn't want to do it in the parking lot. He wanted to do it at your house. He didn't want anybody to be there and see it. But from Israel walked around. You're walking around Mount Eldon for 40 years. Or Bummer. The church is filled with all kind of motion, but no progress. Determined. God is determined. God has a determination. He will not quit. You see the problem. You don't have. Amen. Jonah. Here they are. Jonah's on. The, the waves are going. The ship is going. Down. Everybody's throwing stuff. Jonah says, "Don't throw the stuff overboard. It's me." I preached this before. This is a bad scene. These are Romans. You can't throw stuff overboard. That means they're going to be slaves when they get to land. They're going to, be, they're going to lose their position as Roman soldiers. They're going to become slaves. Their families are going to lose the, the rights. They're going to lose everything. They're going down. This is a bad scene. They're losing their jobs. They're becoming slaves for this one stupid guy named Jonah who refuses to be teachable. Amen. Think about it. So God says, all right. Even the Romans can't convince you. I got a big fish. It's amazing what God will do to make you teachable. Amen. When Jonah finally came to his senses, he finally said, okay, okay, okay. What do you want me to do? And what did God say? Go back to the previous memo. It never changed. Where you got out, you're going to get back in. You're not skipping around this. You're not going to try to make it. You're not going to try to move it. I'm taking right back to where we started. You're going to do it the first way I told you to do it. Amen. You're going to deal with this this way. And it remains the same. Listen to this. Hebrews 12, 6. My son, 
Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son in whom he receives. How many of you want to be a son rather than an orphan? Discipline is because God loves you. It's a directive measure. Let me read it to you in the message. I'm hurrying. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you, blockhead. That's why you must never drop out. I just read it differently than most people. <laughs> this is training, God is saying. This is training. Don't be, don't be like an irresponsible parent that just lets their kids go. God says, no, 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 bring them over here and train them. Work with them. Discipline them. Don't just beat them. Train them. Amen. It's one thing just to beat a kid with a, a belt or something. But that's not doing him really a whole lot of good. What, what does him the good is to, you might need to beat him. <laughs> but tell him why. Help him understand what happened, what's going on, what could he have done different. Help him learn the processes. Amen? Are you following what I'm saying? I don't believe you ought to beat your child. Well, just beat Jared. Now, Jared will never sell the front row again. I'm going to give you one more and then we're going home. Is that all right? Follow through with what God tells you to do. The prophet told him, go dip seven times. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He didn't dip four times. He didn't dip six times. Don't stop because, you know, it feels weird. Man, this feels weird. Don't stop. Amen. What if his church, what if his church had preached only dipped three times? What if they were a three-dipper church? <laughs> Amen. And God said seven. Payoff doesn't happen until you're obedient to God. Amen. You have to be thorough, focused, committed, faithful. You've got to be honorable. You've got to have a spirit within you that, that is there that you will not relax till the job is done and finished. Naaman followed through. Amen. Hebrews 10 says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. The word confidence is your boldness, your outrageous confession of faith. Don't let your confession of confidence in God, which, was, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Endurance is what takes you from the promise to the fulfillment. Endurance says, I'm not going to stop prematurely. I'm not stopping at four dips. I'm not stopping at five dips or six dips. It feels weird. I feel stupid. I look like an idiot out here, but I'm going seven dips. Amen. I'm not going to be a flash in a pan. I'm not going to be a shooting star. I, amen. I want to be stronger. I want to personally be stronger when I'm 88 years old than I am right now spiritually. I don't want to ever stop. I want to keep pushing. I want to keep believing God. I don't want God to stop in my life, and I'm not going to stop in what he has for me. Amen. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to follow through. That's what pressure does. It turns us into something powerful. Are you guys with me today? These are the steps. I want to be exceptional. How many of you want to be exceptional? Look, go back to that screen where it shows all of them, all seven of them. I think it's back one. See there? you got to be a person of honor. You gotta contradict, you gotta deal with life's contradictions. You gotta hear God's voice. It doesn't matter who brings it to you. You gotta recognize the authority that's in your life. Be generous. Be teachable. 
and follow through with what God's telling you to do. You do those seven things and you're going to stand out big time in any given church. You're going to stand out. Are you hearing me? I want to be the exception. There's many, many, many Christians in the world. I want to be the exception. I want God to spot me in the crowd. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I want God to spot this church. There's a lot of great churches, a lot of great people, and there's a big famine going on in American Christianity right now. I want God to spot us. I want to be the exception to the rule. I want the bread to fall right here in this house. I want to see the miracle power of God. I know there's a lot of miracles happening a lot of places. I want it to happen right here. Amen. I want to see God move in that way. I want God to make us the exception of the rule. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up. Amen. We're going to keep getting up. Amen. We're going to make a stand for this thing. I want to be the exception. I believe this church wants to be the exception, and I believe you can be the exception. Amen. I believe God can turn things around. I know there's going to be things that happen in your life that don't make any sense. I realize you're going to deal with contradictions and stuff's going to happen. There Evil things do happen, but God is still God. And we're going to serve God, even though it's all messed up. Amen. Because it's all messed up when you got leprosy. Your skin's falling off. That's not a good day. Amen. It's a bad day. Can you imagine riding in the saddle? Your feet have no skin on them. How are you going to put your bone in the stirrup? Think about it. And yet he's a mighty valiant warrior. This man never gave up. He kept pressing. God says, there's something about this guy. That's why there were so many lepers, but none of them were riding around on horses and still fighting and still having a generous heart. None of them were still going to their king and having a relationship with their king. Nobody else was doing that. That's why he drew the attention. Now, I could go to the widow Zarephath and show you she did all those same things. Okay, There was something in their spirit, and I want that to be in our spirits today. I want that to be in our spirits today. Every one of us. I want to see God make your family exceptional. Don't give up just because it went down one time, two times, three times, four times. Get up and do it ten times. Well, I look like an idiot. I feel like an idiot. We're not talking about your feelings. We're talking about your future. We're not talking about that. We're talking about your destiny. I know you feel dumb. I know it feels bad. I know it feels ugly. Amen. I get it. Twelve years I laid there. I understand what it feels like. I know what it feels like. Get up and keep going. You don't stop. You st- Amen. Now I'm starting to meddle instead of preach. It's only 11.18. Man, we're going to beat every Baptist to the restaurant today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those of you that are watching online, I want to say the same thing to you. God is looking for history makers, world changers. God is looking throughout the earth, to and fro, for those people who will be loyal and be exceptional to him, to his directives, to his call. And I want us all to be those people. Would you bow your heads today in Jesus' name? Amen. Father, we thank you that you turn pressure into diamonds. And you turn pressure and struggles into pearls. And God, that you you got great benefits for your people if they will just press through and do all that you've called them to do, never surrendering. Father, you know how to turn tribulation into an overcoming spirit. You know how to do that, God. So I thank you, Lord, today for what you're doing in every heart and every life in here. Now, there's people in here that I don't know today, and I thank God for that. Thank you for being here. But what I want to know is how is your walk with God? I'm trying to help you. I want your marriage to be an exception. I want your life to be an exception. 
I want your business to be an exception. I want to see God do all that he's destined and planned for your life without you getting pushed off the side or distracted by your own emotions and your own feelings and your own all of those other things. The anchor, the pilot, the one that will drive you straight and keep you on course is Jesus Christ. Without Christ, you're going to get lost. There's no, there's no guiding light. There's no, there's no direction. And so when you bring Jesus into your heart and into your life, it helps you to find that direction, that, 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 that movement, that place to go. And you say, Pastor Ray, today I need God in my life. I came to church this morning because there's something missing in my spirit, my heart. And I'd like to accept him in my life. I really would. I don't really know how to do all that. Maybe you've been to church your whole life and you've never really figured it all out. Listen, here's what we're going to do, just so you'll know. I'm going to ask you in just a moment if you'd raise your hand, just as a sign of surrender. God, it's me. I surrender. Then you're going to put it back down. This is between you and God. We're not asking you to join our church. We're asking you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That's all we're asking. And then we're all going to pray a prayer together. If anybody raises their hands at all, we're all going to pray together with you. You're not going to be identified, stuck out. We're just going to pray, God, touch my heart and my life. Then I'm going to ask you to do one more favor for me after that. After the service is over, I want to make sure that you come and see me at the front. Just come tell me who you are. Just shake my hand. I want to shake your hand so that I can know that you was the one that raised your hand and we prayed with you. Just that confession, the Bible says by that confession, that salvation, that, that work is done in your life. And God seals that work into your heart. Without that confession, it, it'll flee your life. But if you make that confession, it'll seal into your heart. So I want you to just come shake my hand after we're all done. So let me ask this question then. Is there anyone in here today that you're not right with Jesus Christ? I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what they feel with, about it. This is between you and God, and you know that you're not there where you ought to be. And you say, Pastor, I need to get things right with God. Would you slip your hand up and set it back down? Anyone at all across this house? Anyone in this room? Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. Any others today? Just slip your hand up high and set it back down. You're really lifting it to God. Amen. I see this hand. Anyone else? This is the most important part of the service. It really is. If you're at home, just right there on your couch, wherever you're at, just lift your hand up and set it back down. Doesn't matter if I see it. God sees it. That's what we're after. It's not about me. It's about God. Anybody else? It's, it's an act of your obedience. Well, I don't want to lift my hand. Then don't dip seven times. Dip three and see how that works. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to tell you. Right now, God has given me the authority to have the mic and stand here, and I'm trying to tell you what to do. Listen to authority and just respond, and God will help you. Just listen to it. Anybody else? Quickly, up and back down. At your home. Amen. I see these two more hands. God bless you. Doesn't matter. All the rest of it doesn't matter. What matters is your heart. That's what matters. Your heart. Your heart. Before God. Look up at me. If we all go and sit at McDonald's all day long, tonight we're still not going to be a Big Mac. You're going to stink like one, but you won't be one doesn't work by osmosis it, amen you can sit i sat in church for years for years i was drugged to church and i was no more saved than a cow on the moon i wasn't a christian sitting in church doesn't make you a christian it's your response to god when he speaks to your heart 
that makes you the Christian. That's what does it. Amen. That's why it's important when God speaks to you, you respond to him. Don't, don't, don't push him back. Just say, Lord, here I am. I don't care what nobody thinks. I need to get this thing squared away with me and you. Now, let me say one more thing, just so you'll know here in the house. If I've preached on whatever, love, and God's speaking to you about money to repent, repent. don't worry about what I preached. You repent to God. When God speaks to you about something, you talk to God. If I preached on money and God speaks to you about your marriage, come down and talk to God about your marriage. Whatever it is, I don't care what I preach. When God talks, you respond to God. Okay? You respond to God. Sometimes he'll use my voice to stir things. Other times he'll just preach a sermon that I, you'll hear a sermon that I didn't even preach. God will make it hit another way. And we want you to respond to God. Is that all right, everybody? Let's stand together. We had several people lift their hands today, and we thank God for every one of you. I don't know what all these issues are. I know many of you have been at altars before, but you felt the, the, the tug to do it again today. So we're just going to start back just like, just like in basketball. If you're having troubles, you just go back to the basics and you start with your layups again. So we're going to start with the basics. We're going to come right back. I want everybody in the house to repeat with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Father, today I make you my Lord and my God. I no longer serve the devil's whims. I'm not going to be moved by my emotions. But I'm going to listen to you, God, and to your word. And I'm going to do my best to obey you and to live for you from this day on in Jesus' name. Now, just one moment. Let me pray. I rebuke you, Satan. You have no right to torment these people and to lie to their spirits. These are now children of God. They belong to God, the, the God of all heavens, the Father of all fathers. And they are now His children. So I rebuke you. You must stay away from them. Allow them to grow. Allow them to flourish. And they are in God's hands in Jesus' name. And Father, I release your angels to watch over them, ministering spirits to keep them and guard them and help them as they grow in this newfound place of faith in their lives. I pray, God, that whatever they raise their hand for, that you will begin to move in a great and a mighty way. Father, whatever it is you speak to them, let them have a heart of obedience and the perseverance to press through to see it finished in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, I release strength, joy, and victory into their lives. I release blessing and prosperity and health into their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise for it, can we? Come on, give the Lord a big praise for it. Give the Lord a big praise. Come on.